Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Let's get our counterpoint started. We've got Bob Richardson, Senior Counsel over at National Public Relations. And good evening. Good evening. And Anthony Fury over at SunPost Media, columnist and national comment editor. Hello there, sir. Hello, hello. So Toronto Star just uh, dropping a story suggesting that uh, some disgruntled PC MPPs are set to cross the floor to join the Liberals. They're suggesting as many as seven um, that they're unhappy with some of the things going on. They, uh, you know, just did a big reversal on their francophone policy by kind of changing things around. But I'll start with you on this, Bob. I, I don't. I'm not buying it myself because seven would be a lot. But seven going to a party that is so broken and kind of in ashes right now. But I'll take this with a grain of salt. Where are you on this? Well, I would take it with more than a grain of salt. I think it's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> uh, there's not. A, a historical example anywhere where seven MPs have left from a majority party to join a party without party status um, six months into their mandate. It's ridiculous. And I thought this was pretty thin gruel uh, from the Toronto Star, to be frank, mm-hmm. who have broken a number of uh, good and important stories. I think there probably is one or two disgruntled uh, MPPs, which there normally is in a government, mm-hmm. and clearly uh, people who have uh, a francophone voters are feeling the heat. Mm-hmm. I was in Ottawa yesterday, and there is heat on this issue. Yep. So, you know, I suspect that there probably is uh, some uh, truth to that, but I just think this is not particularly a good story, uh, and it's not one that, quite frankly, um, seems credible to me. Yeah, and Anthony, I mean, because I, I worked uh, behind the scenes with party, and I, I mean, part of my job was working with each of these people to media train them. I got to know them really well. And for them to cross over to the liberals would be literally like they would rather eat razor blades. <laughs> so they would probably go sit as an independent before joining the liberals. So I, I'm, I could see maybe one being disgruntled. I just don't buy this. Uh, yeah, I can see the one. Uh, look, like you, Alex, I have uh, some some pretty good and broad and diverse sources in in the Ontario PC community. I I haven't heard anything like this. Maybe one or two frustrated people. The uh, the lady who's been voicing her concerns about the francophone issues, the the PC MPP. Uh, what she's doing is called being a good uh, representative. You're talking about Amanda Simard. Yeah. yeah, I think she's just doing a very good job of representing her constituents, which is why she's voicing these concerns, because this disproportionately matters to her constituents. So, although I, I don't think she's supposed to be one of these defectors. I, I agree with Bob that, you know, Doug Ford, this is an incredibly decisive victory uh, that he had in June, a, a, a stunning majority mandate. And he's he's progressing on a lot of uh, the, the things that are his mandate. I, I Whatever. Maybe one or two people did grumble about this just just for the fun of having something to grumble about. But I don't believe it. But it does speak to a problem that they do have. They've got a leaker. They got a few leakers around that place. And and they got to clean that up because that's it's it's going to cause nothing but headaches. Well, 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 yes and no. I mean, it it depends, you know, who the leaker is and the quality of the leaks. One thing you've got to watch when you have a bit of liberal media bias in the press. We saw this in high octane when it comes to the Trump administration. There is no sort of minor little rumor that's negative about Donald Trump that people won't put in the press. Meanwhile, if they'd heard it about another administration, they would be a lot more discerning about whether or not they buy it, and they'd insist upon uh, a bit more double sourcing, triple sourcing. So I I, I just think outlets like the Star need to be on guard about 
uh, being fed sort of half truths, so they don't do things like put you know some silly Trump stories out there. Yeah, and this this kind of ties together with the story that broke uh, late this afternoon, which is that the Ford government, uh, which had been you know under huge fire for making cuts to the French French language services commissioner and scrapping the construction of a French university, announced late today that Carolyn Mulroney uh, will also take on Minister of Francophone Affairs, and then they're going to recreate the position of French language services commission, hire senior ministers for Franco affairs, but they're not going to build the university. University, but there was huge blowback, no question. And Amanda Simard, who you were just referring to, is a French MPP, and and she, it really affected her, and to the point where they gave her permission to speak against the party. And now they're suggesting she'll cross over. But they did reverse course on this, which I think is a smart move, you know, to go on the offense, uh, Bob. And that way, it takes it out of the federal things and it kind of quiets it down. Well, they were getting beaten up yeah. uh, pretty badly on this one, and quite frankly, they handled it badly. They handled it by the cent- yeah. by the center, and it was damaging one of their uh, more, I think, effective ministers or potentially effective ministers in Carolyn Mulroney. Mm-hmm. I say props to the Francophone community who are tough, hard, and know what to do. Uh, you would think conservatives would have learned their lesson <laughs> after the Mall 4 hospital where they ended up in the burn unit for a long period of time, but clearly no. Uh, but But the problem here is... We've got command and control government at Queen's Park. They're making decisions without thinking things through. They didn't think through the national aspect at this for one minute. So it's it's sort of like guns fire. It's ready, fire, aim. And when you do that, this is, this is what uh, gets produced. So I think it was smart of them to walk it back. I think Ms. Mulroney did an effective job. I think what they've done are, uh, are good steps. I think on the French language university, there is a very fair debate that could be happened, whether it is required at this time in this fiscal environment and whether or not, um, because, you know, my understanding is that there is even capacity uh, in, in French programming, both at uh, University of Ottawa and at, uh, and at Laurentian right now. So I think that's a fair debate. So I think that they've done uh, a number of the right things here. But, man, were they ham-handed about it. Yeah, and the other problem is uh, they probably didn't just get blowback from the French-Canadian uh, community, but from Andrew Shear's office, who was like, are you serious? We're going into a federal election. You hand us this poop sandwich? I mean, honestly, yeah. we do not they need this, right, uh, Anthony? Yeah, I, I mean, part of the challenge was they did a couple uh, francophone issues around the same time, and, and that wasn't planned, which, you know, to Bob's point, it was a bad rollout. They could have really separated uh, all of these, found a way to to announce them or introduce them in different ways. I'll, I'll go one step further than Bob saying there's a conversation to be had about the Francophone University. We don't need it. And the fact that they're not going to be uh, reversing that one, I think, is, is the main victory, because that's just a massive uh, financial misstep that we don't need right now. But in terms of having positions where there are people who uh, listen and authenticate the grievances of, of Francophone people in Ontario. Sure, you know, why not? So I have no problem with that reversal. But here's the thing, Bob, and I think, uh, you know, it was interesting because Carolyn Mulroney tweeted out just a little while ago something to uh, Melanie Jolie kind of putting the ball in her court saying, OK, so pony up the cash, because if you want us to be supportive of the Francophone community, you've got to up the subsidy. You know, Ontarian Francophones are given like two dollars and something um, per per francophone person, whereas you go to New Brunswick and other in Manitoba, they get like thirty five dollars or seven dollars. I mean, it's a very kind of you know disjointed amount of money. Well, it's a bit it's a bit uh, frankly lame and late. At that uh, and by the way, yeah. that argument can be used on about thirty five other different things. 
virtually per capita, Ontario's at the bottom of every category, Mm -hmm. whether it's post-secondary education uh, spending, money to francophone programs, whatever, whatever. So, I mean, you could do that right across the board. Uh, I'm not sure that that really proves proves much, but but it was clearly an attempt to readjust the issue and say, hey, um, you know, we're taking back some of the stuff we're doing. And oh, by the way, you're not Lily White on this issue either. And I, uh, you know, props for them, I guess, for doing that. But at the end of the day, uh, it, is an, it is an example of what happens when you don't do your homework in government. Mm-hmm. And when you don't do things properly, you get burned. So it's a new government. I suspect they learned something from this one and we'll see less of these sort of incidents. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. We got Bob Richardson and Anthony Fearing weighing in on some of the big uh, headlines of the day. And Justin Trudeau went to Calgary Thursday, greeted uh, by about 2,000 protesters and a lot of questions on what, if anything, he's going to do to help with the crisis that he actually finally admitted exists. But no answers. And a lot of people um, are asking, you know, why even bother going? Because if this was Ontario or Quebec, this would never fly. Take a listen to what Jason Kenney is saying tonight. All of these policies clobbering this industry, and all he came here with today was empty rhetoric. We're not asking for subsidies. We're just asking that he stop damaging this industry. But all he comes here is with his condescending pat on the head that he feels our pain while he's adding to that pain through his government policies. Anthony, I mean, I think a lot of people are just suggesting like, you know, there's two sets of rules here. Because if you came to Ontario and said there was a crisis, you would expect them to deliver a solution. And that wasn't given to Alberta. Yeah, the auto sector in Ontario, Bombardier in Quebec, and the aerospace industry. And and look, I'm on the record. I've actually opposed both of those bailouts. So I'm not crazy about sector bailouts. But I also know that not only the Liberals, but even the Conservatives go along with that sort of stuff here in Canada. So that's the frustration that I think a lot of Albertans are feeling. And it is raw frustration. This is a guy who's previously talked about phasing out the oil sands in a very dismissive way. Do most of us believe that in you know a century from now we won't be uh, in that line of work? Sure, but to talk about it in the way he does is rather crass, and, and, and people are hurting. And during the National Energy Program times, like people have told me stories about the hardships that their parents yeah. went through, alcoholism, divorce, and it seems like Trudeau, just because that's you know not his style, that's flyover culture, he's either a B.C. Whistler sort of, you know, having a beer, groping a person guy, or he's palling around over in 24 Sussex. Alberta is just not uh, part of his lexicon. Bob, does this signal, though, that uh, Justin Trudeau has, like, does not care about the Alberta vote? I mean, why go out there? Well, number one, you led with Jason Kenney on, the, uh, on, on, on your clip, who is the father of doing nothing on this issue for over 10 years in the, uh, in the Harper government. Three Albertans, three Calgarians, led that government for 10 years, the late Jim Prentice, Stephen Harper, and uh, Jason Kenney, and they didn't get one foot of pipeline built. Well, they got a few. They got four. They got four. And at least they tried. They didn't get one foot built to Tidewater. Three Albertans, 10 years, nothing done. So let's, 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 maybe the amnesia party can start remembering a few (laughs) of these things that go on because it's to the point where it's ridiculous. Two, this guy spent $4.5 billion. He bought the pipeline. 
so which Anthony, uh, which Anthony uh, clearly seems to forget when but they still can't get him built <laughs> when he's talking about the auto industry and everything else. So enough of he this nonsense that he bought that it. He hasn't done anything for Alberta. He's trying. It is a tough international environment. He inherited a mess from the last guy who messed up things with the natives, who didn't clean up things at the national uh, with the national regulator. And there's a lot of work to be done. They have not been perfect either. But enough of this nonsense line that everything was uh, uh, all uh, chocolates and roses before uh, before the liberals got in the office because it was a mess and they did nothing. Alex, here's what happened the last time he flew to Alberta. He wanted to sit down with John Horgan and Rachel Notley. Nothing came of that meeting, even though he cut short his vacation to Venezuela or wherever he was when he came back. And he said, we're going to do two things here. I'm going to talk to Bill Morneau about some sort of financial backstop measure for uh, Kinder Morgan. Of course, that became uh, buying it out from from them. And the other was we're going to look at legislation that expedites this. This was back in April. He did the easy version, throw money at the problem. He did not ever bring about the legislation to expedite it. He still hasn't. I don't know what's going on with this. I believe that he bought it not to build it, but to bury it, because he is still talking about social license issues around uh, carbon taxes vis-a-vis pipelines. The whole reason he built this pipeline was to hold it as a threat about the carbon tax, saying, if you want me to build this pipeline, you've got to let me ram this unpopular carbon tax down your throat. And he's holding this as a pawn. Okay, let me uh, move on from that because I want to talk about um, Raj Gruel, who has uh, resigned and it was cited as personal and medical reasons. And then the prime minister's office came out kind of with a statement I think a lot of people are scratching their heads over. And now we learn today that he resigned because of a gambling addiction that uh, apparently led to some significant personal debt. And the prime minister's office also uh, acknowledged that not only are the Peel police are investigating, but there's an RCMP investigation going on. And Mr. Gruel is under an ethics investigation for apparently someone that he had brought uh, on that plagued India trip. Bob, is there more to this story? I mean, where does this thing go? Well, you know, uh, when when something unravels like this, you got to think that there probably is more to this story. And I feel bad. It's really too bad because... Uh, this guy struck me as a very good young member of parliament. Mm-hmm. He was a leader in his community. You know, he was the type of person that a lot of people were looking up to. And then you get into this, you know, sort of situation. Um, addiction is a terrible thing. I hope he is, uh, you know, getting the, the sort of support that he needs uh, in, in order to fight this. But, you know, um, you do. The one question that I think is fair to ask is when did people know yeah. about this? Has this been going on for a long period of time? Were there any interventions by, you know, some of the leadership in the government to deal with this? Or did it just come out of the blue in the last week or two? I think that is a fair question for the media to ask. And I presume investigators, too, as well. And I guess we'll find out more about it. Well, I mean, Anthony, he was just greenlit to run again in the next election. So, I mean, it, it, there, there were clearly no issues up until very recently. And then when it became an issue, he's gone. Yeah, I've been away for a couple of weeks. And the last time we did this panel that I was on it, the Jim Wilson thing had just broke just the beginning of it. And I was a little not wanting to say too much because I felt, hey, guys, there is more that's going to fall on mm-hmm. the story. And sure enough, there was. And I think there'll probably be something more in this Grail story. And not just the Jim Wilson angle. It makes me think of the Tony Clement story, too, because one, yeah. of, one of the reasons why that was such a boneheaded, annoying, stupid story <laughs> was because Tony was on the National Security Committee and he was compromised. compromised. Raj Graywall, he's in government. He does some financial decisions and, and he's sort of a, you know, a part of those votes and so forth. 
he is now compromised or well he was he's now under investigation and so forth i don't know the details of it but when you're massively in debt to people for embarrassing reasons or whatever the situation is that ain't good and this is a it should be a lesson to all legislators we know i know they're not going to learn the lesson because it's a human nature issue but this is why it's so problematic quickly before i move to the next topic though bob i mean he was under an ethics uh, investigation that was also being kind of looked into by the rcmp do we not get the results of that now uh, I, I don't know what happens on that. I, I think once you cease being a member uh, of parliament, if the ethics investigation is going on by an officer of the House, I think the investigation concludes. I mm. could be wrong on that. Now, if the RCMP are doing it and there's a criminal element, I yeah. presume that that would proceed. So, you know, I, I would suspect it proceeds uh, given uh given what we know in this case so far. I don't have a lot of time, but I do want to talk about this because Mercedes Stevenson uh, just uh, broke this story that, you know, Cup W, uh, which is the union uh, backing Canada Post, uh, they're none too happy about this back-to-work legislation, which is going to be debated if it's not being debated, I think, now. But now we learn from Mercedes that a few Liberal MPs are going to apparently vote against this back-to-work legislation, which very much puts them at odds with the party. And so, Bob, would that surprise you? No, I think there's an element of the Liberal Party that, uh, you know, uh, there's a number of people who uh, come from the labor movement who are in the Liberal Party, I think, particularly from the Atlantic provinces. So wouldn't surprise me to see a few people do that. My personal view on Canada Post is we ought to do what the British did. We ought to sell it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we ought to break it up uh, enough. Um, you know, we don't need to own ca- ca- you know, Canada Post right now. and We don't need to own hula hoop factories. Right. <laughs> uh, it's time for us to move on and uh, let's uh, let's go. And, and and I'm not a big fan of these hostage takings yeah. around Christmas, Black Friday, you know, big holidays. And yeah. uh, I don't think it produces uh, good contracts or good public policy. And I say enough. Last point to you, Anthony. Well, I just got an email from Amazon Prime saying your package that you ordered <laughs> at 3 p.m. today is going to be uh, here at the house before 3 p.m. tomorrow. And tomorrow's a Saturday. So, I mean, I agree with everything Bob said, but quite frankly, I don't care what Canada Post does. All power to Justin Trudeau uh, on this. But if he doesn't do it, uh, I, I don't care. Cup W, it should be noted, is the most extreme public sector union in the yeah. country. They go yeah. to conferences in Venezuela and pal around with Hugo Chavez with <laughs> their own members' money. I don't take them seriously at all. And I think there needs to be a Supreme Court ruling that clarifies that collective bargaining means you have the right to bargain collectively. It doesn't mean you can do whatever, you know, obstruction you want uh, until the end of time. I mean, there's nothing wrong with this back-to-work legislation. All right, guys, running heavy now, but I do appreciate it because there's always lots to break down. Thanks, guys, for your insight very much. Have a good one. Thank you. That is Bob Richardson and Anthony Fury, always generous with their Friday night visits with me, and that I do appreciate because they always have very, very, very good perspective and a lot of experience in these areas. On Point, I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.